Some women get burned by the fire and some women rise from it. Welcome to the Born to Rise Society podcast with Laura Sanzo, where goddesses come to rise and go from survivor mode to creation mode. Are you ready, goddess? Welcome everyone to another episode of the Born to Rise Society podcast with Laura Sanzo. I'm your host, Laura Sanzo. I'm so excited to finally be sitting down with this beautiful young lady in front of me. Her name is Karen Whitehurst, soon to become Gilmore, as she's engaged, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Karen is a special education teacher who herself is also on the spectrum. She's a beautiful young lady and spirit that spreads awareness, advocacy, and integration throughout the school system. And she's also on the board of directors of the Autism Career Path, which we'll talk about as well. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I don't know how to follow that one up. So many compliments. Um, but truly, yeah, I've been, I love what I do. And, you know, working is, I think my life is about advocacy and making sure kids and people with autism have someone to look up to. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I would argue, um, what's the word for it? I would say assumptions about autism, and I hope to erase them one assumption at a time. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So as a, as a parent of a child, younger child on the spectrum, I have to see, I didn't even know, not that I didn't even know, but on Instagram, I found this like incredible community of young adults like yourself on the spectrum all over the world. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to see because you guys almost have this exactly that a community and you just support each other. You live all over each other. And, you know, it gives people like myself, parents with younger children on the spectrum hope and, you know, and just, you know, a preview of what the life could be for everybody you know, on the spectrum, even at a younger age. There is a lot of preconceptions with autism and that autism is supposed to display or be a certain thing. And I think that it's such a diverse spectrum, people forget that. So one of the real reasons I really began advocating um, was actually thanks to my college. I had a professor named Dr. Christina Rusk, and she was like, you're you're like, you need to start advocating and start guest lecturing in my courses. So I started doing that with her and it was wonderful. And at University of the Pacific here in Stockton, California, and it was really eye-opening how people kind of had these preconceptions. And so I kept breaking them one by one by one. And then I started going into IEP meetings with adults and parents who were concerned and they had really not a lot of knowledge. And they were like, this is all the negative things I've been told about autism. And there's not enough positive things out there on autism or arguably realistic expectations. And so I really began advocating with, you know, going into an IEP meeting as an English teacher and as an advocate, just kind of being like, this is what the district should do. This is how we can help them out. And really kind of trying to become that interim specifically in education for like, hey, autism is not all defining. It's not evil. It's not good or bad. I mean, to be quite honest with you, it's just the cards we've been dealt in life. And so learning, you know, trying to empower people to be like, hey, this is not a bad thing. This is a part of who you are and who you are meant to be. So truly, I feel that it's so important to kind of give people, especially people like autistics who are very black and white in our thinking, you know, here's an example, a living, breathing example of how to do the best you can with the cards you've been dealt. And I think another reason it's so important for me with advocating is to have a voice out there. We were talking earlier about like, you know, there's a certain look, a certain type, you know, I'm not autistic enough. You're not, you know, you don't fit that mold. And it's such a diverse spectrum. And I think autism is a great example of how both doctors, educators, everyone involved, we really don't know everything. 
about the human brain, about functionality, and truly about life in general. And so I think autism, we are a huge spectrum, you know, and I think people need to remember that. So... So this podcast is really about women who have overcome adversity to rise. And honestly, like I listen to you talk and it just like blows my mind because you're such a powerhouse young woman. Give us like a little peek into into your journey and just like, you know, how you went to from somebody who was diagnosed um, on the spectrum early on in life to this just like bigger than life, like woman who's just like so assertive, knows what she wants, going for it. And, you know, that's regardless if you're on the spectrum or not, it's like such a, such an amazing thing for younger girls to be able to look up to and follow you. Well, I would argue that I was given and have been very lucky in my life to have a lot of resources. Um, My mother was a huge advocate for what I needed and would just always make sure that like I was treated as normally as possible. You know, you would have a schedule and then they'd break the schedule. Um, And my journey and my life process um, has been learning how to advocate for my needs, my wants and my desires in life. I was very lucky to have parents also back in the day who could afford the services. When I was diagnosed at around three years old, 18 months was like, you know, the we think she's autistic. And then they like affirmed when I was like two or three. And I went into programs such as Stars Academy, where I worked with Beth Biasen, who is an incredible human being, um, who basically worked one-on-one with me, taught me sign language, helped me communicate. And so I would say that resources and that young diagnosis was a huge part of my success. People are so scared to label autism. Instead, it's like, why don't we use this to make sure we can be the best people we can be in our lives? And by doing that, I can be here empowered now because I've been taught how to communicate, how to talk. And when I say taught, it's more, I would argue it's how I want to communicate too. I want to live a life where I don't have to have an interpreter or someone talking for me. And I'm very lucky that I'm able to do so. Now, that being said, our nonverbal kids doesn't mean they can't communicate. They just communicate differently. And so, yeah, I think it's super important to remember, like, my journey, I guess I would say, is I was really blessed to have, you know, the right people in the right time. And the reason I really started becoming stronger is as an educator, when I taught English, I realized how few people get that, how I am so lucky that I was able to get these things where, as a lot of my colleagues and peers and students didn't. And so I wanted to change that. I felt like someone needs to step up and show people that like we are a spectrum and that that early diagnosis is so important to help us live the best lives we can. And in America, we have actually a lot of places. There's not a lot of services for adults. So I was super spoiled. I got them all when I was younger. Um, My parents had to pay for two huge programs where Dr. William Walker diagnosed my my old seizure disorder. And where dragonfly transitions up in Oregon, California, Oregon, (laughs) it's not in California, it's Oregon, I swear. They taught me how to live with it. They truly taught me how to live as an independent adult with autism and like to thrive. I mean, truly thrive. I mean, I would have my mentor up there, Sean Winters would be like, Corinne, you're incredible. Like you're strong, be strong, be independent you know, be the best you can be. And so I would say resources, resources, resources for our kids make such a big difference and that it takes a community to raise somebody. I am the product of a community of people who absolutely loved me and made sure to empower me. And I'm name dropping up the wazoo because I would not be who I am today 
without them, specifically Beth Biasin and Sean Winters. They are just such two incredible mentors in my life. Um, I'm still very close to both of them. And truly, I think that I've just been really blessed in that case. I'm really bad about admitting my own strengths. And I think that's something I still have to work on. But yeah, I think ultimately for me, it's about that empowerment piece of like making sure you have the right people who do love and support you. Isn't that crazy how like one or two people in your life could just like literally empower you to just become the person that you're meant to be. It's, it's, it's so funny. And sometimes we really take for granted, you know, the work that we do or the things that we say to people and we don't even realize how we're really making an impression in people's lives. Well, yeah, like I wouldn't be an advocate without Dr. Christina Rusk. <laughs> I mean, she really pushed me, her and Temple Grandin. I remember being told like, you need to talk. Your story needs to be told. And it was like, I was like, I didn't think I was that cool. And it, it became, yeah, that awareness. You know, we're not always aware of ourselves either. So sometimes other people see things in us that we do not. Good point. You say it's not okay to treat autistic people with with the need for a cure because we are not sick or broken. We are human. So what do you say to people who, you know, who may not know how to act around people on the spectrum <laughs> or kind of tippy-toe around them? Well, firstly, uh, communication 101. If you're not sure about something, ask. Do you, do, do you want a hug? Because, for example, I love hugs. I am a snuggle bug. It was the one autistic trait I didn't have. I'm like, give me love, cuddle bugs. I am my poor fiance snuggle monster. Truly, like cuddles 101. And I think it's so important with that communication piece. Ask. I mean, we're so different. Autism such a diverse spectrum that, like, I've had people, I'm in, like, a place, and they're like, don't touch Corinne. She's autistic. And I'm like, that's rude. So, but they're trying to be nice. So I think the best thing I would say is ask, you know, hey, can I give you a hug? Hey, how are you doing today? I mean, and be patient, I think would be my other thing. Not everyone can communicate their needs always. So, you know, there is a kind of fine line, I would say. And you can feel a person, you know, like you're talking to someone, they look uncomfortable, help them feel comfortable. Hey, how can I help you out? Hey, is there anything I can do to help you? And so I think just, I'm always a big thing like, that generalized question is just ask. I think that's just it's just so important and such great advice for everybody, regardless if they're on the spectrum or not. It's just communicate with each other. It's it just sounds ask, so right? simple. Like it sounds so simple, but just literally have that conversation with people. I love that. So you talk a lot about self love on your on your Instagram. How important is self love to you? And how are some of the ways that Korean practices self love? Well, self-love, I think, is very important. It's something people really struggle with, myself included. Um, And I felt that one of the biggest things with self-love is self-acceptance and, you know, accepting your weaknesses, accepting your strengths. And I think I have to work on accepting my own strengths more than my weaknesses, to be quite honest. (laughs) And I think I do a fake it till you make it moment a lot of the time where I'm like, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to be cocky, you know, in that very, if I love it. you know, <laughs> it's true. A lot of people, especially women, you know, if you're really confident, you know, it, and it can intimidate other people. And it is, I told you earlier, I'm like, it comes across as blunt and rude. I've been called the B word a couple of times and, you know, I'm just kind of like, this is who I am. So I think self-acceptance, self-love is a process that I feel like everyone is working on. So I always want to help other people be like, hey, you're not alone. Self-love's hard. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> so I think my encouragement on self-love is just remember we're all only human and we're all doing the best that we can, truly. So. I love that. As an advocate, what would be your advice for, you know, 
parents like myself who have kids younger on the spectrum, I know you had mentioned um, early intervention and just services and anything that you could provide for them. What else would you say to somebody like well, that? I've been on a lot of Facebook forums lately, and I've seen more on Facebook than Instagram, ironically, that there are a lot of parents who have been told by professionals with violent behaviors, such as hitting, etc., to ignore that behavior. And I would say don't. There is a certain level of where you have to treat us like normal people because we're still people. And my big advice I tell all my parents is get to know your child. You know them. So like violence is a no-no. Like, you know, if someone's going to hit you and then, for example, in a lot of the cases, it's because they can't communicate their needs, especially younger kids. Like you're still learning how to talk and some of them don't talk because it is such a large spectrum. I would say, like, you have to have your own boundaries as a parent. You know, this is a process for you just as much as your child. So I would say know your own boundaries. No violence is not okay. And so, for example, in the hitting one, give the child a way to communicate. Uh, my parents did sign language. As soon as I was taught sign language, I'm suddenly not as violent because I don't have that anger of not being able to communicate. So I would say really try to think of, you know, I, it's overwhelming. Don't get me wrong. I work with, you know, children, but it's important, older kids, but it's still important to note that, like, as a parent, it is important that you display and give examples of what you want your children to do, too. Right. You want your kids to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries. You know, you want your kids to do things. You have to do things. So modeling or leading by example is a great way I would recommend it. And like I said, like ultimately the violence card, I would say no. If the child is hitting, why are they hitting you? Is right. it because they're unable to communicate their needs? Is it because they're not getting their way? Like there's so many different reasons this is happening. And so I would say that. I guess hitting is one I've been talking to a lot of people about because a lot of parents have asked me about it. And I would just specifically say that, like, have your own boundaries and that it's okay. Like, you can punish a child with autism. I have so many parents who are like, well, is it okay for me to, like, punish them? Yes. You know, our actions have consequences. And especially because, like, young kids are so learning and we, like, they just absorb so much when you're younger. It's important to really... Like have your, I can't say enough boundaries and make sure that like, you know, you don't need to be beaten up as a parent. <laughs> you have enough people beating you up in the world, you know, and I just feel it's so important to remember that like communication is usually the number one reason why people with autism get violent. Like they're unable to communicate their needs. Right. So I would just say, be aware of that. And I wish I could say it's like a one-all fix-all, but it's not. So try as many things as possible would be my next advice. Try anything. It may seem silly. It may seem weird, but try it. If, you know, what harm is it going to do if you try something would be the next thing to question. You know, that. like if, yeah, just try things. So like my mom, for example, when I was younger, she would make a written schedule. It was like a big piece of paper. And she was like, I thought it was so dumb. And then it worked so well with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know what I mean? It's, so it's just kind of like try it, you know, if it, and if it's harmful though, or you feel it's harmful. Yeah. I think it should be a discussion and trying to you know, weigh out those pros and cons as well, especially with services specifically. But yeah, I think it's super important to just try it, have your own boundaries and model and lead by example for your kids and what you want them to do so I hope that's helpful to them I love that what about for younger you're in your late 20s but what about for you know the teenagers or somebody in their late or early 20s I should say that are on the spectrum and you're you're such a powerhouse you you have a job 
you're in school, you have a degree, you know what I mean? You're on the board of directors, you're just an advocate, you're there talking, you know what I mean? So what would you say to somebody, even a little younger, that can't even see that far? You know what I mean? They're just like, they can't even see that on the horizon for themselves. Have faith in yourself. This is where self-love comes in, that it's, you know, it's tough in this world, whether or not you're neurodivergent or not, or neurotypical. Uh, we get an extra battle being neurodivergent. And I would say take pride in your neurodivergence. And it's a process. I would say I didn't realize who I wanted to be until I was 25 years old. Like, so be patient with yourself. Give yourself some time and try things. Like, I can't say enough. I know it's hard. Like, for example, when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to hang out with people who were neurodivergent um, because doctors were worried that I would mimic their behaviors. And I remember, it's going to sound kind of weird, but the first person I met who was autistic, I absolutely hit it off with them. And we had great fun. And it was, I went outside my own comfort zone. So I would say, push yourself, push yourself. Like, if you feel like it's a little uncomfortable, that's okay. I would say that sometimes the best things in life are totally outside your comfort zone. Um, the best example I can give is I never went to parties. I'm not a party animal. I was the girl at home with all the books studying all day. And my girlfriend had her birthday party and just demanded me to go. And I was like, oh, fine. That's actually where I met my fiance. So oh, yeah. So it's, I would say push yourself and just be patient with yourself too. You're not going to do everything right. You're going to make mistakes. Um, I tell my students that if you are not struggling and if you are not like feeling uncomfortable, I'm not doing my job because learning whether or not it's a math problem or how to communicate is hard. It is not easy. So be patient with yourself. Give yourself time. Remember, you're not going to do everything perfectly. And that's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You at least have to give yourself effort. So that's my advice. And don't say you can't. I guess the other thing I wish we could remove from autism is can't. Can't, 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 can't. Try. Or the better thing I say is find ways that you can. So for our kids who are nonverbal, I know one who's an amazing author. He found a way by doing it by writing. So you can do things. We just have to be extra creative about it. We're not going to get to just have it, you know, you have to be creative with yourself too. And if it works, don't fix it. Like I bite my nails, for example, up the wazoo. I've had so many of my students who do the same thing. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, I don't mind because you have to pick and choose your battles with yourself too. So that's why I said that self-love, self-patience and learning yourself is something every person does. On the spectrum, we're kind of, I've heard some people be taught like you're not supposed to be doing this, but it's actually very normal. So also remember there are some things that are autistic specific, other things that are actually just normal. <laughs> so combining the two together, self-love, patience, and just remember that like you're going to fail sometimes, you're going to make mistakes. And it's all about how you get back up and keep on going. I love that. So we are living obviously through very uncertain times and new times for everybody. So what would be your advice? You talk a lot about mental health and protecting your mental health on your on your social media platforms to anybody really, but I would say more so to, you know, somebody on the spectrum who under normal circumstances has opportunities with social environments. So now we're asking to wear masks and, you know, there's a lot of tension when you're going into the store, you know, so just what would be your advice on how to just really protect your mental health and lean into the situation, I guess. Go outside your comfort zone would be number one. 
Number two, um, for masks specifically, that example, try a slew of different cloths, slew of different materials, slew of different ways to protect yourself. So I have kids who use face shields, for example, instead of a mask because they can't handle it. And there's these really, it's like an actual ball hat. So it's a really good one. I have other kids who can only do cotton. So I think that for the masks, there's a, it's hard to wear. I wish I could tell you it's easy. I have both asthma and autism. So it's like a double whammy. But I have found that like, well, go outside. If I mean, COVID is tough because that is the first time ever I feel in our world, we can't be as flexible as I wish I could be. I wish I could tell people not to worry. And maybe it's an American thing because a lot of other countries, most people are masking, like, you know, the general populace. And so I would say it depends on where you're at too for that one. Um, Because I'll be talking about America specifically, but I'll tell you, kids in other countries, I'd say you don't have to worry about maybe wearing that mask as much or just social distance because everyone else is. But in America, because so many people aren't masking and it's so rampant here, I have to kind of like say get creative. And I hate having to say that because I know for some people it's so hard. So I think being that patience, self-love, it's okay to fail, you know, and also uh, pros and cons is another huge one weighing that out. As for mental health in America, we have a horrible, horrible, horrible medical system in which once you have a diagnosis, everything is it. Oh, your stomach hurts. It's autism. No, it actually was a stomach issue. (laughs) Oh, you know, like this is happening. So I would say knowing yourself and your body, I have found myself personally so having body awareness that it's important to know yourself in that way. Like if it doesn't feel right, like your body hurts, things like this, know that. And I would say you never, ever, ever have to work with a doctor who is going to berail you either. So I've had, I mean, I've had to fight Kaiser Permanente a lot and a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, for services and everything I need. So it, I wish I could say mental health is easy, but it's not. And surround yourself with people who will support you. Whether or not it's a doctor, whether or not it's a significant other or friends. And it's heartbreaking. I don't have a lot of friends. I'm not Miss Popular, but the friends I do have are like gold. So I think it's so important, you know, to like with that mental health component, be honest, be real with yourself and push yourself too. You know, I don't always like having to say or talk about certain things, but we have to push ourselves so that we can get better. As I told you earlier, my autism more seems to rear its head with stimulation. So it adds an extra component. So I think just knowing yourself with that awareness so you can prep for it, you know, like, okay, I'm going into a really loud club, (laughs) come up with a game plan, talk to people and I wish I could say, like I said, it's an all fix all solution with mental health, but it's not. We have people who have stress disorders who are treated badly, who aren't even neurotypical. So I think that just remembering we're not alone is huge too. So just remember you're in a really bad system. You do the best you can. You mentioned surrounding yourself with people. So let's talk about that for a minute. So you just recently got engaged. So congratulations again. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I have to say, when I saw that post, you know, I just, was so happy and just lit up from it. Cause I think sometimes whether it's like parents of, you know, children on the spectrum or other people on the spectrum that are younger, you know, they think that, or they worry that they won't be able to have a typical, I, I, I laugh even saying that cause no relationship is typical. It doesn't matter who, <laughs> right? but just like a relationship, like a typical quote relationship, be in love, you know, whatever that 
monopolizes in marriage, kids. So what do you say to them in terms of that could happen for you? That could very well, like it's happened for me. It could happen for you. Oh my God. It makes me laugh you and talk about that because I used to think love was like a Hallmark Disney creation. <laughs> I didn't believe in love. I used to make fun of my friends who were like, I'm so in love. And I'd be like, oh, yay, love. And now they all look at me like, oh, yay, love. Because truly I was like, it's not real. It's fake. So firstly, it's real. <laughs> Secondly, um, remember, it's never going to be typical for us ever, you know? And so Having that expectation that it's going to be like everyone else is just get rid of it. You know, love is about two people coming together, being who they are. And I think that's a huge part people, whether or not you're neurotypical or not, really miss the mark on. Um, In America, we have a high divorce rate because of that, I would say. You know, like you're going to, and also it's not cookie cutter. It's not perfect. There's a lot of issues. I mean, no one's flawless. That being said, making sure you find that right person is important and it's okay to have high expectations and high standards <laughs> and yet at the same time, be realistic with yourself too, you know? So for example, uh, my fiance is named Chad Gilmore and he's incredible. He has uh, definitely made me laugh. Uh, so for example, whenever I start stimming, I used to feel really uncomfortable about it because I'd never really stimmed in front of other people. And so he's like, let's stim it off. And so now we're having like, you know, stim offs and it's wonderful. Um, And that's like, that person has to embrace you, you know, truly like, and you have to let them see you. So I feel so vulnerable and it's terrifying and wonderful all at the same time. So I would say like, feel your emotions truly, because like expecting it to be flawless. And I guess on that note, you can fall in love. But it has to be between two people. So if you give your heart and soul to someone, it can backfire. It, you know, so just, I guess my best advice is be yourself. I, when I met uh, Chad, I was like, I'm done with dating. I'm just going to be single the rest of my life. You know, have good be me, you know, go my career. I'll be a career path woman. And voila, you know, I never go to parties and here he is. And I would say ultimately with me and him, it's communication. It took me about four months to tell him I was autistic. Really? Yes. And it took me about eight months to tell him about my seizures. So being aware, like, yeah, I, I hit it. I masked. I masked. Oh yeah. I masked up the wazoo. Um, about eight months in, it was funny because he was dropping me off at work one day and I was like, love you. And it's one of the most mortifying memories, but it's his favorite. He was like, I remember just smiling like, and the worst part was, this is the second time I did that. The first time I did it was like two months in. Love ya. And he was like, I'm like, I don't love you. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I truly feel like I, my best example of going outside your comfort zone was meeting the love of my life and being with him still, you know, it's so uncomfortable. I don't think people understand, like, it's not, I don't like him knowing everything about me, but it's also the same thing I love. So it's contradictory, you know, and I think that ultimately love is yours. That would be my last bit of advice. It's yours. Mine and Chad's love is our love. It's not my parents' love, you know, it's ours. And so to be in truly in love, you have to be yourself. And it's such a slew of complicated emotions. It's such a gray area. So be prepared. It will be fun. It will be horrible, (laughs) but it's worth it.
Um, so yeah, I never thought I would be married. I never thought of any of this would happening to me. So posting that post, yeah, I, that was a cool one. I never thought I'd be engaged in wanting to be a Gilmore. So yeah, I think it's super important to just, yeah, I've never been so real and I've never had someone support me or love me as much as Chad Gilmore does and vice versa. So yeah, I would just say ultimately remember it's between you and the other person, be who you are. And remember, it's going to feel weird. <laughs> and that's a-okay. As long as you're able to communicate that or talk to the other person too. So yeah, love is a complicated, you know, beautiful disaster. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's a complicated one. Before we end, I want to just say this quote that you had said. I was always told when I was younger, all the things I couldn't do. Nowhere am I doing all the things now. Sorry. Now I am doing all the things doctors told my family would take a miracle for me to do. That's so, so powerful. Can you just give the listeners just a quick like laundry list of all those things that, you know, the doctors told a laundry list. We don't, you know, but the doctors, you know, told your family that it just wouldn't happen for you. And, and here you are being engaged as one. Uh, I think my one is I told myself more than doctors to be quite honest with you. Uh, doctors said I would never be able to hear because I was having hearing issues. And so we put tubes in my ears. Doctors told my parents I would never graduate college. I graduated um, as one of the higher grades in my class. Um, parents told My parents were told that they would have to support me for the rest of my life. I mostly support myself now. They do help me out with medical, for example, because it's a fortune here in the U.S., but everything else I do, parents, my parents were told, like, Kareem will never be able to live on her own. I did for two years, and now I have a fiancé living with me. Um, so yeah, I was told a lot of things I couldn't do. And I think the best idea I'd give everybody is you can, you have to find a way. And I'm a living, breathing example of that. You know, I was told you can't do this, so I'm going to do it anyway. So be stubborn and do it anyway. I love that. So before we end, is there anything that is just coming to you that you're being called to share with the audience, maybe in terms of the advocacy, any messages that you want to leave? Do the best you can and be forgiving of yourself. We live in a really complicated world. So I think my advice is be the best you you can be. And a race can't. Never tell yourself you can't. Find a way. And remember that you are special. Everyone in this world is different and special and unique. And for us autistic women, that is our uniqueness. And that I feel my autism is a huge part of me, but it doesn't solely define me. I get to be autistic, quote unquote. I get to, you know, learn and be challenged. And it's not easy but that you are not alone ultimately, you know? So no matter what happens, remember there's a community of women and men who are just understanding of what you're going through too and reach out if you ever need help because you're not alone. (laughs) What can we expect next for you? What are you working on? Well, I'm working with Autism Career Pathways big time. You know, we're trying to, there's a big issue right now with autistic people at work. I think I'm like 1% of autistic people who have a career. That needs to change. (laughs) <laughs> and that was before COVID. So, you know, and I know that a lot of autistic people haven't had work, et cetera. So I'm really excited to be working with Macy on that front because it is super important. I think that I didn't even realize how bad it was um, until we started, well, the numbers are atrocious. So I would say like my goal is to help people like me get employed, find jobs, et cetera. Um, the other one I'm really excited about is my master's thesis on integration. Um, I'm working with... University of the Pacific right now um, on better ways to integrate both our students who are learning English and our disabled kiddos. And 
one day I hope to be able to do at the school I'm working at. Um, so we're in the process of doing that on creating systematic integration. So my future also is going to be I'm getting married. <laughs> so, you know, a great example of like life's crazy. You roll with the punches, truly. You know, it's going to leave a bruise, but you can do it. So I cool. guess that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot on, on your plate. So we'll put everything in the show notes. But I just wanted to ask, if somebody wanted to get um, active, in terms of, you know, helping young people on the spectrum with employment and, and that kind of thing is, could they like write into their local like politician? Like how, what, what would be their way of like being part of this movement? Con- connecting with you, is that something that? I would say connect with Autism Career Pathways because you, you can write into your local politician, do yeah. it, but it's not going to help. And that's Autism Career Pathways. Our goal is to become advocates for working for all that. So I would say, yeah, feel free to contact us if you'd like to help. Uh, we're doing a mentorship program right now is in the works there. So that's a really good advice. Yeah, if you want to, you feel like that. So contact Autism Career Pathways. You can look us up on the web. It's literally www.autismcareerpathways.com. So feel free to do that and you can reach out to us on that. And with ideas, advice, anything, we're really excited to be working with that. I would say another thing. So for me, I became a teacher because of it. So if you're able to, you know, kind of like find a solution, my solution was I want to be a part of the system in which says we can't, you know, who was, you know, systematically trying to tell me all the things I couldn't do, you know, and SPED teachers, et cetera, were really diverse. So I would say that. And then if you're a parent, for example, same thing, you know, go to an IEP, have advocates, kind of get your ducks in a row and fight because it's hard. You know, it's a fight. I wish I could say it's easy, but it's not. Um, last thing is sharing your story, I think is so important too. You know, it's your journey, your choice. So you never have to share your story, but it does help people out. And so one day I hope we have a, not Autism Speaks, but a good platform for people to share their stories. And yeah, I think just researching also. There's a lot of nonprofits out there that want to help. So it depends on what you want to do. So for employment, yeah, come reach out to us. If you want to help with school systems, that's a tougher one. Look into it. See, could you handle being a teacher? What can you do? You know, because it's like I said, it's a diverse. So that's amazing. I, Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here. You should just be so proud of everything that you're doing. And I can, I'm so excited to see what your future holds. And, you know, you're just going to make so much waves and everything that's happening. So you should be so proud of yourself. And thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited. I finally got to free my schedule up to talk to you. (laughs) Truly, I'm, yeah, I think that, you know, women in this world, we're kind of berated and, you know, we're kind of a minority with disabilities, you know, autism supposed to be a man's disability, you know, so I think more autistic women as we have been from what I've seen. And my best advice, Instagram, I think is not to advertise, but definitely a better route than uh, Facebook. To be honest with you, I've seen more support on Instagram, more love on Instagram, Facebook, you're going to get heated. It's going to be a little, so I guess that'd be my next advice is just kind of make sure you're in a platform where you're supported and you're getting the help you need because yeah, I've, I've been in Facebook groups and it's a, it's a tough one and I'm an advocate who's strong, like you said. So just remember like, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah, I find that too with Facebook. So I agree. If somebody's looking for a community to head over to Instagram, and I bet you most people won't even believe what such an amazing community there is there on Instagram for people all around the world. 
And it's amazing. I've done it on Facebook. I told, I think it was like eight or nine women about it. And they were like, I don't go on Facebook anymore because you were right. It's so much better on Instagram. So I think it's important. And then um, there's also one last thing I wanted to share uh, for a community. There's an amazing woman also named Lauren who created a um, platform for us all to go on to. We can even put it in the show notes. Is it like a group? Yeah. It's a site, like it's an actual site you click on. So that's why I was trying to grab it. I'll have to figure that out and send it to you. But it's basically, there's all these different groups, how to stim, stimming, autism, how to like help yourself, all of that on this amazing platform. It's like an actual like platform for everything. So I wanted to toot her horn too. So it's incredible. Please do, because it's absolutely very helpful. And I did a bad job of explaining it and I'm bad at technology. That's usually why I have one of my students do it. (laughs) But yeah, seriously, thank you so much for having me on this show. I feel so blessed to have been here. And I would say it's important to, you know, have voices out there that are not just like, woe is me, you know, but there is more. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I think it's so important for women to have a voice and then women with even more adversity to have a voice. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you everyone for listening and be sure to share this episode with somebody that is ready to rise. Mm -hmm.